Burn Boys and Greenhouse Girls. Violate the Kyoto Protocol with your off-gassing. Marvel at the mountain of municipal waste. And I'm about to pop open some insecticide because your face is starting to bug me. Because it's time to talk to me. (laughs) 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 Nothing works like DDT. Who needs eagle eggs? Welcome back to Le Pad. I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are the environmental disaster that is the Feckless Moms. And this, my little green thumbs, is Talk Tall to Me. A community controversy at the environmental improvement planning session of Prague Rock in which noise pollution Nick and oil slick omen, will recycle the post-consumer material created by each and every track that renewable energy rock band Jethro Tull has ever metabolized. We will keep the Peter John Vitesse volatile organic compounds away from direct sunlight. We will make sure that Doan Perry's pre-industrial runoff is potable. And we will collect precious biomass by baffling Martin Barr's backflow. And if we can create just the right environmental conditions we may be able to attract that most rare of endangered keystone species, the carbon-neutral claghorner, the impregnable pied piper, the solar-powered Scotsman, the freshwater flautist, Ian Agroforestry Anderson. Well done. Thank you. I think you did Oil Slick Omen before, and I'm trying to remember, it must have been North Sea Oil, right? I'm so disappointed to hear that. I know, I know. It's okay, though. I am very oily. You need a, a a Trader Joe's rose water spritz. Wait for it, everybody. There it is. I'm so wet right now. <laughs> Sorry. Nick, welcome. Hello. Today we are talking about yet another track off of the 1989 much maligned and yet much loved album by Jethro Tull. It's interesting. When Kissing Willie dropped a couple weeks ago, about two weeks ago at this point. Once or twice, I heard someone write, I saw someone write in like, oh, Rock Island, I guess I'm going to go eat a box of nails for the next month and a half. But, <laughs> <laughs> but more than that were the positives. Like, you know what? This this album is a guilty pleasure for me. I actually really like it. And then not just like that, but they would go into, well, this song is really kick-ass. And then they really like this song for this reason. So there is a good contingent of folks who like Rock Island. I think Rock Island is like the hot person in high school who was socially unacceptable to date, but everyone wanted to make out with, like in the closet, like on the DL. Why would they be socially unacceptable? Rock Island was is me in high school. No one... <laughs> oh, no, it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> no one wanted to be seen dating me because I was the weird kid. I didn't up their social standing. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But everyone wanted a slice of that brown pie. (laughs) Brown bread. (laughs) Slice of brown bread. It just has so much fiber. Keeps me regular, that omen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that. Nick, what's the song about (laughs) which we are talking tall on this fine day. We have just flipped the vinyl. We are just starting the second half of Rock Island. We're on track number six, and it is Heavy Water. 
It's so heavy. Oh, I want to drink it, but it'll gain some weight. It'll just be water weight. <gasps> a pint of water is a pound of water. Pint's a pound. We talked about this. It depends which pint you're talking about. But you looked it up and the math checked out regardless. So I'm still sticking with it. That doesn't make it. Let's sense. dip our ears into this pool <laughs> and listen to heavy water. Let's have a listen. Nick. Omen. That water is not light. Boy, she heavy. Heavy, thick, viscous, perhaps. T-H-I-C-C water. She thick. Its surface tension is so strong that it will actually climb up the side of any vessel <laughs> it is trying to be contained in. Yes. If you're not prepared for this water, it will cause disaster, for sure. It's non-Newtonian, I would say, even. It's non-Newtonian. Okay, so Nick... Obviously, we're going to talk about the music. Obviously, we're going to talk about the context. Obviously, we're going to talk about the other thing, the lyrics. That's right. But let's talk about, let's catch feelings for this song. I'm not afraid to catch feels, as Katy Perry would say. What do you feel about the song? Does, does it do it for you? Boy, what a doozy of a start of the album. It starts so strong, so solid from the get-go. And it doesn't give you time to work into it. Yes. And I really like that. I really like that yes. about this. Big agree. You just jump right into it. Kind of like Kissing Willie, honestly, from the first one is uh, you kind of splash right into that as well. I prefer this one to Kissing Willie, but there is such a such a drive to this song and a darkness yeah. to this song that I, I really like it. It's really good. I find myself when I listen to this song rocking out. Oh, it's, it is 100% a rock song. And in fact, that's what a rock is actually sometimes called, is called heavy water. <laughs> it's the heaviest of waters. <laughs> it is. It's, this is rock and roll. This is rock and roll in its kind of both purest, but also most highly developed form. What am I trying to say? This is What's so satisfying about this is that we know that this is a prog rock band. We know that this is Jethro Tull. We know that right. they could be doing six different time signatures in the same song and having rhythms that overlap each other and changing keys all over the place. And because they're not doing any of that, they're playing it kind of straight. There's all of this tension built into it that you're like, oh my God, at what point is this going to pop off? But it doesn't. And so it just is so, it just takes you with it. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. The fact that we're so accustomed to Tull being like, all right, and now we have a breakdown and now we swap over to six, seven, and then we do this and then we break this time, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that this is just a punch in the face, same pace, I'm assuming four, four, right? Four, four all the way through. Four, four all the way through. That in itself is very effective when Tull decides to do it. We talked about Buster Keaton recently. Yeah. If you watch Buster Keaton, you know that he can fall down, jump back up, do a somersault, jump over a thing, you know, fall through a window. You, you know his capacity. You know that if you see uh, Danny Kaye, mm. if you watch Danny Kaye, you know that he can do all of this flippery and fippery and he has all the lightning inside of him. So when either of those individuals is just simply walking, your eyes go... <sighs> Yeah. Oh my God, what is he going to do next? Oh my God, look at him walk. Oh God. Right, the anticipation, yeah. 
and you know that they are operating below their maximum capacity. And so there's something really vibrant there. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Speaking of the music. Yes. As you say, we get no prep. We do have the slightest of hints at a little cymbal riff. Mm-hmm. Don Perry gives us a... And immediately the flute's already in with that riff that we hear throughout. I mean, I guess you could consider that the intro. It doesn't come in with all of the instruments at once, but... No, we have about 10 seconds. Yeah. I think it's just enough to develop a sense or a familiarity with that very simple, relatively simple for tall theme. The bass and the drums come in hard. Yeah. The guitar, I don't know if it's immediately with Ian or just after Ian, but the guitar comes in kind of plinky. It's not super stingy like like we've heard Martin so far. And he he saves the electric. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think we're, we're both of our brain cells are synapsing. Martin saves the electric sound for a little later in the song. So there is a little bit of a layering and a little bit of a build. Yeah, there's a spot. I need to re-listen to it. There's a guitar sting at 25 seconds that I've just heard for the first time that I really need to hear again. It made my jaw drop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I'd never heard that before. Very much like that. It's all of the classic rock and roll elements, but done with just a little more expertise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have PJV coming in pretty short within this first section mm-hmm. with some just devilish 30-second note chords. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think are not artifice. I think he's just... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. That's something that we could hear in Dire Straits or, or or another band from the era. Yeah, definitely. He's throughout. He is super, super substantial in the background, but everything is so forward. It's very difficult to pinpoint him. You got to really listen for it. But there are times when he's like dropping those those super quick notes. Yes. There are other times where he's like, uh, he's got this really like breathy synth going. It's really light and kind of yes, flowy yes. while everything else is going. Bow, 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 bow. We actually hear an example of that synth that you're describing at the very end of the song, mm. the last 10 seconds. There's a bit of a fade out. Ian concludes his last little flute riff. And then we have, that's, I think what you're describing, that sound, that hey mm. synth. Yeah. Just to kind of lead us out. There is so much counterpoint being used in this song. So there's two things that I want to kind of draw attention to. We have that riff. At various points, Martin is playing either a version of that riff as a counterpoint to Ian's vocal line, which is different. Mm-hmm. Ian's singing. Sometimes Martin is playing under that. And it lines up in such a way that that riff creates this sense of counterpoint where you're like, I can hear both of them so distinctly. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And then other times Ian is playing, I guess, really harmony where Martin is doing and Ian's going 
Beep, beep, beep. Let's roughly. Yeah. Roughly, but not for the entire thing. They're not playing like step by step for the whole thing. Ian is just putting a little harmony on one part of that riff. It is so effective. It just makes that riff so much more three-dimensional. This song is such a jigsaw puzzle, just a perfect jigsaw puzzle of all of these sounds fitting together so well. It's like Japanese joinery. Mm. Where you see it and all you see is this one continuous surface. Mm. And then you look more closely at it and you're like, there are six different species of wood. <laughs> and I don't know how they're being held together. There's no nails. Yeah, that shit's awesome. Yeah. Ian's voice, great in this very high pitch. He's got oh. some high pitch going. He's got some multi-layer going in this one on certain aspects of his voice. Great. Loving it very much. He is continuing to find his real guttural and effective mm -hmm. vocal ejaculations. Mm -hmm. At 126, we have a beautiful It's almost like a, you know when you do a, you've been in circus classes recently, mm -hmm. so no doubt you've either done some or seen some of the tumbling. Mm -hmm. You know how sometimes if you do like a round off or you do a front handspring or something, there's usually that little like, you want to give yourself a little bit of height for the big step that actually gives you your height. There's a little like catch step. A little hop, yeah. Yeah, a little hop and then you do the jump and then you that that's what gives you the momentum. I feel like that's what Ian is doing with his, instead of using them as a flourish, mm -hmm. which he did before. Right. I'm singing it, yowza. He's going like, let me just get this started here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. It's really fun. It feels more like the structure of the song rather than something additional to the structure of the song. 100%, yeah. It's the choke of the engine, yeah. This is kind of lyrical, but I'm also gonna put it in sonically here. The way he sings Smokestack Blowing in kind of the, the pseudo chorus, it gets tied on to one, two, three. Yeah. Smokestack blowing now that pouring heavy water on me. Sounds like this is not love. It's got the same sound, the same delivery sound. You mean the like the the rhythm that he's singing, Smokestack? Yeah. Interesting. Ooh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, that's so cool. Another thing that this reminded me of, I was struggling to come up with the name, but at about 38 seconds, I was very heavily reminded the vibe of this was giving me Glory Row. Mm, interesting. In that sense that it's kind of like rock and roll, yeah, stuff, dirty, dirty rock. And it was hot down there in the crowd. The stars went out behind the sun clouds, shattering the air like a telegraph line. It's not the same instrumentation. It's totally different, but there's that sense of like, eh, grungy, yeah. And then the delivery of that line is like, it's almost an aside. It's almost like it's so natural that it's, I'm singing, I'm yeah. singing, I'm singing. And then there's this, and here I go back to singing again. There is like, there is a step out of the flow just a little bit sonically. 
There's also, we have that beautiful saxophone riff that I know Ian regrets perhaps a little bit, but I love the sax in, in that whole era. You're talking Glory Row? In Glory Row. We have that repeated often, so it almost is that sense of like, we're just going to choose one riff and go with it for the whole song. Yeah, very similar to the flute. Yeah, I get it. Okay, so then at, at about two minutes, just before two minutes, we have the f- the first instrumental breakdown. I think the only real instrumental breakdown besides the outro. Mm-hmm. We have a moment, just a very brief moment, where it doesn't. It goes back to a sound. I wouldn't call it folky in comparison to the whole spectrum of Jethro Tull, but it kind of softens for just a moment. It almost reminds you. It gives you a little reprieve from the heavy rock sound, mm. just to kind of give you that like. Let's take a quick break, remind you that we can do softer stuff, but not right now. Blammo. So it's just a little like, let's just have a quick fairy dance for two seconds and then we'll get our concrete boots back on. And it's only, looks like it's... It's like six. Let's see, it goes from 213 to 219, so six, yeah. It's about six about seconds. six seconds yeah. and about about four measures, I would say, if you're counting it in four. Yeah. And I love that. That's the kind of detail that makes this song stand out from the general rock and roll, the schlock and roll of the late 80s. But it also makes it stand out from Tall as well. I mean, when's the last time we had that short of a little breakdown, instrument breakdown? It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. And this song... If you don't know it off the top of your head, how long do you reckon this song is? Three minutes, 30 seconds. Three minutes, 15. Super close. Just under four. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Feels on the longer side to me, I think, because we don't have that room to breathe except for that one moment. In no way am I complaining. Like, it's like, oh, God, this song drags. But like, it, it feels like it just keeps chugging along and you don't really know where it's going to go and when it's going to end. Yeah. This is the kind of song that, for me, I lose my sense of time. Oh, definitely. I'm just like, here we are, here I am, here we go. Yeah. Anything else to talk about musically? Just at the very end, we've got that really saucy vocal ending from Ian. Ooh. We get Smokestack blowing, now they're pouring heavy water on me. Oh, pouring heavy water on me. Oh, pouring heavy water on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his oats in this song it's great i approve yeah he ate his ginger right before this it's good it's good (laughs) i see this i know i kind of joked on an earlier episode of like oh i wonder how ian feels about being a sex symbol but like this for me is his sexy era yeah because he's not trying to impress anyone he's sort of going a little bit away from all the vigorous leaping around he's hitting his comfortable dad bod <laughs> yes you know he's just like yeah yeah what up i'm a rock and roll guitar uh, i'm a rock and rollist there's no pretense there there's no pageantry there's just him singing and creating this music now and it's really i think it's really coming through in, in the music itself he is now a singer songwriter in the truest sense 
Exactly. And we know that they have moved away from, like you said, the pageantry of previous concerts. So they've moved away from the big ships and all of the stuff. And it maybe it is a more pure musical experience. Remember that? <laughs> Who is that? Remember that? The, the drunk guy that we had, there was a, somebody, I think Jesse Winters sent us a video and there was a drunk guy that he interviewed who was like, I, you just need a suspended piano. Uh, <laughs> have Ian swing in on a rope line. Yeah, it was it was audio, but yes. So funny. I'm looking at, at some pictures of 1989 concerts. He wore a fedora and kind of like a, a sport coat, but it was really, really subdued. Fedora and a sports bra. And a sports bra, and that's it. Really subdued in terms of what we expect with Ian, I mean, this, what did we see before this? You know, the colored jumpsuits and- Oh, cod pieces. And cod pieces. Yeah, I'm thinking about just immediately before this is probably, probably they went from the extreme of A and kind of tried to mellow out from there. I think that, yeah, getting into the, what year was Ian born? Ian Anderson was born in 47. What is 89 minus 47? The answer is 42. So, you know, we are now getting close to that age, and I am finding myself starting to think about comfort when I'm buying my clothes. <laughs> so I still want to be fashionable, obviously. Right. I'm not going to buy freaking Crocs or anything, but I am starting to think a little bit like, well, what could I do to make this a comfortable experience while I slay the house down boots on the streets? Maybe with an insole. <laughs> that nobody has to know about. Yeah. Nobody has to know about it, but I want it to be there. Yeah. He's clearly, I think we're getting the visual period where he's starting to consider comfort. I think we're getting sonically a new period where maybe he's considering comfort. He's obviously, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, he's obviously trying to, he's veering his voice into a new range. He's touching new pieces there with like the grumble and the growl and the, the speaking. And to frame this perhaps with a preview of the content of the song, is it about comfort or is it about sustainability? Yes, that is something to consider. In this instance, it may be both. Nick, welcome to the second half of this here podcast. Here we go. Before we discuss the specific lyrics, any notion what heavy water is? Well, I think I joked the other day that it was like lead-lined or something like that, but it's polluted water. I believe it's water runoff that's used to cool nuclear rods, nuclear fusion. Yeah. It's not polluted, it's, it's irradiated. It's deuterium oxide is a form of water whose hydrogen atoms are all deuterium. All f***ed. <laughs> I think it's an isotope of water, and I'm not going to pretend to understand the science of it, but it is radioactive and it is, it is used in nuclear reactors. Yeah. So really interesting. I had already kind of come to the conclusion that there was a an environmental bent to this song. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, kind of unlocks that a little bit. Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. We have a couple of other references that we'll touch on that also refer to that, yeah. Oh, yeah. The late 80s, you know, were a time in which, 
I think previous to this period, there was this idea of, oh, we should consider the effects of pollution. And for a while, nuclear energy was seen as a silver bullet to say, oh, look, we can create endless amounts of energy with no consequences. Well, what about the nuclear? With no consequences, I said. Yeah. And I think that this may be, especially to someone who has an interest in environmental issues like Ian, like we know Ian has, this is probably the period where people are starting to realize, you know, we have a lot of nuclear waste that we have to figure out what to do with. Yeah. And so I think that this may have corresponded with a period of doubt about nuclear energy yeah. specifically. And Chernobyl was in 86, so it's, it wasn't that far off. That's a great point. In 89 was the Exxon Valdez spill. Yeah. So whether that happened before or after the writing of this song, this is the era that we're talking about. We're, we're really starting to have these... The first taste of what would soon become uh, everyday occurrence of environmental disasters. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I've definitely heard that, and maybe this is just big nuclear talking, but I've heard that nuclear power is actually, all told, it is cleaner and safer than fossil fuels and fracking and this and that. It's just that the problem is when there is disaster when there is meltdown it's catastrophic yes well it's sort of like air travel versus car travel yeah it's safer in the long run but when it goes wrong it goes wrong it go wrong yeah and technology from even from 86 to now not that they i don't think they've created all that many additional reactors in in the last 30 40 years no not that many but technology has advanced yeah and i think it's really at this point it's really just the upkeep of those that do still exist and that's part of the problem these days is that to upkeep a 40 year old factory is more likely to blow up yeah than a brand new factory right all of that context leads us into this song mm -hmm. i walked out in the city night a burning in my eyes like it was broad daylight. I walked out in the city night, a burning in my eyes like it was broad daylight. What do you make of it, Nick? Pollution. First and foremost, you know. Pollution. Yeah. It's a really interesting line here. In broad daylight, you go out, you look at the sun, and it burns your eyes. This is not a burning caused by light. This is a burning caused by smoke or smog or chemical. Or, or is he talking about light pollution? If you've ever been to New York oh. Times Square in the middle of the night, it feels so unnatural because it is so bright. It is as bright as day. Yeah. It literally is as bright as day, but you know that it's nighttime. So is it that sense of there's something so unnatural about this, which is connected. The energy being used is connected to pollution. Right. Exactly. I didn't think about it. It's... On the grand scale of pollutions, light pollution is is on the lesser end of things, but it still like wrecks people's rhythms. It destroys animals, and it's not even talk about the birds. Yeah, exactly. And you don't get to see the stars. Why would you do it? And it was hot down there in the crowd. The stars went out behind a thundercloud. It was hot down there in the crowd. The stars went out behind the thundercloud. 
So it's almost like everything that is natural is flipped on its head. It should be cool and dark in the evening. It was bright and hot. Yeah. You should be able to see the stars. You couldn't see the stars. Reminds me of Dante. Of course, we've talked about Dante before, how in the last line of every one of the 13 cantos or however many there are, there's a line about the stars and the being able to see the stars is a representation of, do you have hope about being able to reconcile your sinful nature with God? Yeah. So let's maybe assume that the obscuration of stars in this image is at least perhaps related to imagery that exists in the world of being cut off from the divine. Yeah, sure. Why not? Chatter in the air like a telegraph line, big drops hissing on the neon sign. Chatter in the air like a telegraph line, big drops hissing on the neon sign. That's kind of where I got the idea of the light. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chatter in the air, that could be a form of noise pollution. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Thumping in my heart, and it's hurting me to see smokestack blowing. Now they're pouring heavy water on me. Thumping in my heart, and it's hurting me to see smokestack blowing. Now they're pouring heavy water on me. Heavy water could be any number of things in terms of pollution, I think. You know, it's metaphorical, but it's also actual. You know, acid rain, polluted rain irradiated rain, you know, if we're going super extreme, it could be fallout. Sure. I was thinking about acid rain, you know, that's something that we don't hear that much about these days. But I remember when we were growing up, it was kind of like, ooh, this new threat of acid rain. Yeah. In Italy and in other parts in Europe. The Adirondacks was real big. Sure. Anywhere that was downwind of factories, mm. the rain would be acidic. And so in a lot of places where they had marble statues outside, they had to bring them in because they were being literally dissolved. Yeah. Would kill wildlife, would kill plants and fish. Like it was, oh, yeah. it was legit bad. I mean, bad. it wouldn't like land on you and sizzle like the disaster movies from our childhood, but it was, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> so throughout this, I'm getting this sense of like uh, someone stepping out into the outside into the cityscape and just being completely overwhelmed by all this sensory and moral barrage of humans effect on the natural environment. Right. Yeah. Right down to even the water is contaminated is, is wrong. Yeah. And then out of the blue, we get a little love moment. We get a little love story here. A little bit. That's what I love about this song is that like, it's not just the world's totally screwed, man. The world's totally screwed. It's all bad. Everything's bad. It's wow. This world is totally messed up. And there's a hottie. <laughs> yeah. Which I like. It appeals to me. Yeah. It's nice because it is a little, it's like that audio respite at about 2.13. It's our contextual respite to kind of pull away from the, oh my God, this is a depressing song. It's also, in a sense, it, a, it's a bit loose, but I think this song could fall into that, that very broad, loose category that we have of this album of being a fish out of water, working man, being in a place yes. that even though there are hundreds of thousands of other people, you are there and it's a really unique experience just for you. Nobody else is complaining about the pollution, but it's really affecting you. And this, this Southern girl, this brief moment, there's that human connection. Finally, we get a connection there that it's not just yeah. me on my rock island. It's there's an isthmus yeah. all of a sudden and, and we're connected. Geographical, baby. <laughs> Girl, are you an isthmus? Because you are connecting me to the mainland. I think you're sweet. 
Because I'd like to traverse you. I think for me, there are two different ways that I can interpret this. Yes. One is the world is dirty and corrupt. And so I may as well be dirty and corrupt as well. Okay. The world is corrupt. And so I may, I, I may as well enjoy the dirty pleasures that it offers. Mm-hmm. Or it's the world is dirty and corrupt and still human love can flourish. And that that is something that can never be dampened. It reminds me of a little bit of like Jack in the Green. I saw some grass growing through the pavements today, except grass in this case is a hottie with a naughty body. As long as there is humanity, no matter what we do, as long as there's humanity, there will be that human connection somewhere. And therefore we have the capacity for good and, and kindness and all that. Right. It's our red balloon from last episode. It's our hope. It's our glimpse of hope. It reminds me of Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. I have not seen that one yet. Ah, oh, the Miyazaki yeah. film. So it's set in this post-apocalyptic environment. The princess is somebody who's kind of figured out that you can still, all, like all the plants are, in most of the world, all the plants are corrupt and vicious and, and poisonous. She's, she's figured out that, that if you actually feed them with filtered water, they end up being normal, beautiful plants mm. that aren't contaminated with spores. So I mean, this it's kind of like that contradiction that even within this rotten fruit, there's a seed of good. Yeah. Kind of the opposite of Shakespeare's image of the, the worm in the bud. Mm. The bud and the worm. The bur- <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. She was a Southern girl. We stared man to man. I moved like a stranger in this strange land. She was a Southern girl. We stared man to man. I moved like a stranger in this strange land. Supports my thesis. Very much. She was a round hole. I was a square peg. I watched the little black specks running down her leg. She was a round hole. I was a square peg. I watched the little black specks running down her leg. I love that imagery. It's so evocative. Set aside for a moment, referring to a woman as a hole. Right. But it's poetry. It's fine. Well, a square peg in a round hole is oh, of course, it's a of course. thing. Yeah. As Ian said, it's fun to play with words. Yes. It's almost like today we talk about the microplastics. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, ooh, I know you're full of microplastics, but I want some anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get that. I get that because I think this idea of heavy water and going down really specifically about the little black specks running down the leg, even though presumably, ideally, theoretically, water coming down from a cloud, the rain, it's called rain, rain coming from the cloud, (laughs) (laughs) is, it's supposed to be refreshing, right? But there's this feeling of, like, in this really thick morass of a city, even the rainwater is, there's nothing refreshing there. That's that heavy water. Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree. What I get from the love story is, instead of what we normally get from Ian's writing or what we often get from Ian's writing, if you think of Orion, there's this sense of the world is corrupt and therefore I need to be separate from it and find something pure. Yeah. What I love about this song is the world is corrupt, you are contaminated, and I'm contaminated. So let's get it on, baby. Let's be contaminated together, baby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're both infected with this horrible world, so nothing to do but, you know, try to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. We can commiserate together. There's an embracing of, well, this is the situation. And that kind of takes us to the next line. What goes up has to fall back down. What goes up has to fall back down. 
that's very much a ecological principle. It's we missed a, a verse. We can skip the verse. I'm I'm not invested in it. It's kind of repetition anyway. He does call her wet and brown. She was a wet brown hole. <laughs> Those are the adjectives that we have about her. So, you know, it's interesting to see that the thumping in my heart and it's hurting me to see now kind of changes meaning. Yeah. Rather than the thumping in my heart and it's hurting me to see is about like, I'm having a palpitation because of the pollution. Yeah. It's like, oh, my heart's beating so hard because there's this, this entrancing person. I kind of like the idea of it's hurting me to see. So this slide is, didn't seem to mind that dirty rain coming down. Dirty means irradiated, a dirty bomb, you know, dirty pollution. Could be, or it could just be full of, like you said, black, full of ash. Right, I think that we've got that dual meaning there. Shirt hanging open, she was wet and brown, thumping in my heart, and it's hurting me to see. So when you're when you're in love, when you've got those butterflies, that, oh, it hurts. You can feel it in your mm. chest. But also there's this sense of like, it hurts because he knows that she's going to have leukemia in like a week and a half because of this cancer. Oh, God. You know? Like, I think there is that that sense of like, wow, oh, well, this can only last for so long. But isn't that true even if we were living in the most pure version of Earth with no pollutants at all? We're all going to die anyway. Right, but you can die happily in bed next to one another in that situation as opposed to like melting like in Chernobyl. <laughs> I think what he's saying is, what I'm interpreting this as is, there are always going to be problems and there's always going to be the potential for enjoyment and love. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's there. It's no night to be out dancing in a party town when it runs hot and it runs so wide running in the street like a thin black tide. It's no night to be out dancing in a party town when it runs hot and it runs so That almost makes me think of an oil slick. Yeah, an oil slick or uh, what's it called? Smog. Smog. Like when he, he, it's like, it is not safe to be outside. You cannot breathe this stuff in. Close your windows. Don't go outside while there's a smog warning. There is still that level of humanity of like, yeah, let's go out on the town. But now you, you can't just go freely willy nilly. You do have to take certain things into consideration. And there's the human impulse to make the most of any situation. Right. It reminds me, you know, I think it's New Delhi or, or Delhi in India was recently, they said, all right, we're going to just close all the schools for the next 10 days because of the pollution. Mm, yeah, that sounds right. I'm sure that there were some teachers who were like, we've got 10 days off. Let's go party. Right. It's Boris Johnson and COVID when he threw a party like every other night. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, and there were plenty of people. I remember in New York when we all got told don't come into work. And I, I some of my friends texted me, they were like, well, we're, we're staying out all night. And I was like, do you not understand the fundamental principles of the situation? Yeah. But that's human nature. Yeah, it is. There's a, a level of, it can't happen to me. There's a level of, well, who gives a shit? Acceptable risk. Yeah, exactly. You think, even if it does affect me, it won't be so bad. You don't quite really understand the severity of the repercussions, any number of things. But I mean, there is... In a way, it's kind of sweet and beautiful because humanity, people are prone to being like, oh, it's not so bad. It'll be okay. <laughs> or, you know, you've worked with construction workers. I've always been big on ear protection because there's deafness that runs in my family. Yeah. Hearing loss that runs in my family. It's specifically caused by exposure to loud noises. Mm -hmm. So it'd always be like, 
hey man, you want to? Uh, I got some ear protectors here if you want to put those on while you're while you're running the Cirque saw six inches from your face for the next hour and a half. Yeah. And the thing that I would often hear is, ah, oh, well, you know, my uh, my damage already been done. They're not going to help me out anyway because I've already messed up my hair. So stupid. It doesn't, it's not actually how it works. Yeah, right. But that's the attitude. Yeah. Well, I've already got the microplastics in me, so what's it going to matter if I drink this heavy water? Yeah. Well. I tried to go positive. You just made it really depressing. <laughs> I'm just pointing out human behavior. And then yes. there's the other side of things where you get, I remember I went out, this is after the Fukushima disaster. And I went out with a former employer of mine in Chicago and we we were celebrating a big gig that we had. I was like, let's order oysters. And so we got a plate of oysters and he was like, wait a minute, where are these oysters from? And the guy was like, oh, they're, they're Oregon oysters that we flew in there, you know, from this beautiful sound. He was like, fuck these oysters. I'm not eating these. They're polluted with the Fukushima and stormed out. I mean, he's mentally, he was a mentally unstable person. Yes. But that's kind of the other extreme is like once upon a time, there was an environmental disaster somewhere on earth. And so I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, right. Except smoke tons of pot with a lighter, you know, sucking in the fumes of a lighter, but whatever. Specific example. Did you stay and eat the oysters? Hell yeah, I ate the oysters. <laughs> when it comes to my own life, I do accept a certain amount of risk. I'm not going to avoid seafood because it's so tasty. <laughs> this lobster was working in Fukushima, but it's so good. This lobster that has 12 front claws <laughs> is so good. It's just more lobster to enjoy. It's more lobster. <laughs> I'll take a dandelion tea afterwards. Yeah, it should clear you right out. Speaking of Japanese cinema, in Kurosawa, there's a, you know, the Kurosawa who did Seven Samurai, all those. Mm -hmm. He has a series of short films called Kurosawa Dreams, which are all his own film adapted versions of dreams that he had at various points in his life. Mm -hmm. There's one that I don't remember the name of, but one of them is about, it is like a post-apocalyptic vision of Japan. Oof after a nuclear disaster and it's the the observer walking through this landscape and there are all these like dandelions and roses that are like six feet tall and have double heads oh wow that are beautiful in a way but also like totally grotesque yeah and then he encounters Oof. some human beings who all have horns and it's like the more involved they were with having created the disaster, the more deformed and punished they are. Yeah. But also everyone is implicit and so everyone is suffering. And the last 30 seconds is just this long shot of people screaming and writhing oh, in this burning landscape. My oh my God. It's so good. It's very Inferno. It's very Dante to me. It's very Dante. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is Dante. It all comes back to Dante. Nick Omen. What are we talking about Twixt Tweak? It is fairly, fairly conveniently timed. I didn't even try to do this one. So in the past, we've pulled out Christmas songs and dropped them in around the holidays. This one is in natural progression. It is dropping on the 12th of December. It is another Christmas song. 
Kismet. So perfect. So perfect. Ordained by the Christmas spirits. By the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> it is another Christmas song off of yes. this album, originally from this album, and a delightful song. We will talk about it next week. Until next week. If you want chatter in the air like a telegraph line, why don't you subscribe to our Patreon, which gives you access to our Discord chat. More chatter than you could possibly shake a stick at, all for the very affordable price, the inflation-friendly price of five American dollars a month. The burning in your eyes is actually five bright stars that you are going to give us on your podcatcher of choice. Paired with a rave review, that is the perfect gift for the holidays. That hissing you hear is not the big drops landing on a neon sign. It's the big drops landing on the new tie-dyed Talk Tall to Me t-shirt available from our Public page and so bright that your family will need sunglasses. Until next week, I'm a square peg to your round hole, Nick McGill. I am hot down there, Omen Thomas said. <laughs> We've gone up, but we have not come back down. We are the feckless bombs. And this is no night to be dancing out in a party town. Talk tall to me. Hey, Felonius. Oh, ah. Gregor, good to see you here. We're going to find love in the air tonight. Oh, I'll, I can feel it. I can't tell if it's love or carbon monoxide, but I don't care. Oh, I feel dizzy, and that's all that matters. Oh, oh, look at that prime piece of rib over there. Ooh. Wow, she's giving us the cold third shoulder. That she is. She is a piece of prime rib because she has extra ribs. That is a very long torso. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I bet she was huffing sulfur dioxide as a child. You can tell by the way her eyes are a little bit too close together. <laughs> oh, oh, she just hooked up with a guy. Oh, okay. We'll find somebody oh, else. Oh, oh no. Okay, okay. okay. Oh, oh, look at that. Yeah, look yeah. Oh. She's got them apple bottom jeans and double jointed wrists. <laughs> and there is actual fur on her bare feet. Yes, yes. Oh, I like I like her style. Yeah. You know what they say? Fur on the feet, freak in the sheets. That's right. They do say that. You say that all the time. I say that. <laughs> I said it. You know, I detect from the way she is dancing. Yes. That perhaps she has lead poisoning induced blindness, which means she wouldn't notice my freakishly bulbous face. That's always a point in your favor when they cannot see you. That's right. I do have to say, your multiple pectorals are really, if they are feeling around, they will enjoy that. Thank you, thank you. Did you, by the way, you were looking so fresh, you were looking so clean. Did you perhaps take a bath in naturally occurring, by which I mean polluted wastelands filled with sulfuric acid? I did, I did. I then molted afterward, and this is a brand yes. new skin that you see me. I yes. feel like I'm glowing. You are slightly glowing. I'm actually glowing. Is that is that what it is? You are glowing. Okay. No, I can tell that you're glowing. And also my, is that a Geiger counter in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> Something's beeping. 
something's beep. Oh, it's my beeper. Okay. Oh, it's your it's your Geiger counter. We should move away from this part of the club. It's a bit hot. It's a bit hot. Something is radioactive over yes. here. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Sit with me on this on this heap of disused coal shale. Ooh, comfortable. I love it. I love the way it feels upon my my completely rigid backside. Let me look into your eye. Ooh. No, your other eye. Which one? No, your other your other eye. Okay, that one. That's the one. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to say something to you. I've appreciated so much that you take the time out of your busy schedule of of irradiation treatments to come to the sulfur snake here and dance the night away with your old friend memory loss. Well, Gregor, it is a it is a delight. Gregor, that's what my name is. <laughs> it is a it is quite the treat. We've been doing this since before we ever mutated, and frankly, I wouldn't stop now. We've already mutated. What worse could happen? That's right. That's right. What rejection? Ha, baby, you can't hurt me. All of my hair descended below the waistline, and now burns me every time it grows. I, I. I suck in large quantities of uranium dioxide for fun because it tastes better than the inside of my mouth. Baby, you can't hurt me because I am a walking callus. Nothing can get through this skin. If you could find my heart, you wouldn't make it skip a beat because it is already beating in such an irregular fashion. Yeah, that murmur is getting very pronounced, I have to say. My blood pressure is as erratic as my imagination is erotic. <laughs> you know, I, I do have to say, there is only one thing I can think of that's better than drinking these mercury martinis. One thing. Tell me, what is better than this highly infused particulate matter that we breathe into our remaining nostril? Our shared nostril. It's leaving this club with or without several ladies on several of our arms and going home and listening to our favorite podcast. I always put on a podcast when I'm either lovemaking or trying to find out where that body pod came from. That's right. That's exciting. And, and today, we, you know, we do have a new episode of Talk Tall <gasps> to Me. Oh, you're kidding, right? Oh my gosh, I must have been sucking in these volatile organic compounds too much. I forgot about the new drop. I'm not pulling any of your five legs, I assure you. The EPA has warned us that it is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. And that's why I like it. Unfiltered. Unfiltered.